0: Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Lake Hope near MacArthur, Ohio, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check out our growing YouTube archive at youtube.greatdetectives.net. Well, I am at the Lake Hope Cabins. A bit of a vacation... It's a nice place with plenty of uh, pretty scenery and we're getting to see some elders we haven't seen in years. But I'm keeping up the recording because it's a nice break and escape. It's a really unique uh, situation. Essentially, I go up to the uh, dining lodge and check my uh, email and comments about once a day. And other than that, uh, I have no access to what's going on in the rest of the world. And I guess I'm uh, surviving on that. Anyway, it's a lot of pretty scenery, a lot to do outdoors, nice place just to take a break. So, with that said, let's get into today's episode of Richard Diamond. The original air date on this one is September the 13th of 1950, and this one is the Lexington Murder Case.
1: Listen while the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective.
2: This is your Rexall family druggist with a welcome from the 10,000 independent druggists who have made the word Rexall part of our own store names. We've done that because we recommend and sell the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall drug company. Like plenamins, for example, Rexall's famous multivitamin capsules. Two plenamins a day give you more than your daily minimum requirements of every vitamin for which such requirements have been established, plus valuable liver concentrate and iron. And yet, Plenimans cost only pennies per day. Ask for Plenimans at Rexall drugstores everywhere. And remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall.
1: Good health to all from Rexall. Now, your Rexall family druggist brings you a transcribed half hour with Richard Diamond, private detective, starring Dick Powell. <laughs>
3: Diamond Detective Agency, Andy hints on Happy Homicide.
2: I beg your pardon?
3: I said Diamond Detective Agency, Andy hints.
4: Yes, yes, I heard the last part, but I just wanted to be sure there was nothing the matter with my phone. Uh, Mr. Diamond, I wish to hire you.
3: I'm touched. $100 a day in expenses.
4: I'm touched.
3: If the figure depresses you a little, I suggest getting out in the fresh air, exercise, play a little golf. If you could use a dandy caddy on Sunday... I can
4: easily afford the fee, Mr. Diamond, but... Wasn't exactly what I expected. Isn't it a little high?
3: Well, frankly, yes. But if you hire another detective, you won't be getting the
4: prettiest. I see. Uh, Can you come to my house at six this
3: evening? Name, address, and reason for hiring me?
4: George Lexington, Golden Strand, Long Island. And I'm in fear of my life.
3: I'll see you at six, Mr. Lexington.
4: On the dot. Please be
3: prompt. Just have a substantial retainer ready. Aside from my blue eyes, greed and promptness are my two most outstanding features. Well, that's the way a buck's made my business. I sit around the office for a week, passing the idle hours, playing old Welsh mining tunes on a comb. Then someone gets in trouble, opens the phone book, and naturally the first thing that must catch their eye is my very gaudy full page advertisement on the Diamond Detective Agency. After that, a phone call and I'm in business. At six sharp, I was ringing the doorbell to the home of Mr. George Lexington, client in fear of his life. Yes, sir? Mr. Diamond, to see Mr. Lexington.
5: Mr. Lexington is busy at the moment. Does he expect you? I have an appointment with him at six. Oh, I see. But please step in. If you'll wait in the library, sir, I'll tell Mr. Lexington you are here. <laughs> ah. oh.
3: What was that? Unless you keep a car in one of the upstairs rooms, that, my friend, was a gun going off. Come on. (laughs) With the butler right behind me, we took the long, curved staircase three steps at a time. The butler managed to pant out that Mr. Lexington was in the study at the head of the stairs, so that was the door we went through, only to be stopped cold on the other side. Standing in the middle of the room was a girl. The word girl in this case, to be identified with adjectives one might think up after having spent three lonely years on a life raft in the middle of the Atlantic. The only thing that kept my eyes from melting and running down on my shirt was the thirty-two revolver she held in her gloved hand.
6: Miss Morris, no!
3: Give me the gun, honey.
7: No! No!
3: Drop it, honey. You just scorched my money belt. She dropped it and we all went to pieces. I helped her to a seat and let her cry it out. The gun, I could have passed off as a whim or too many hop-along Cassidy adventures. But the man sprawled across his desk on the other side of the room, changed the whole picture. I called the 5th Precinct Police Station and got Lieutenant Walter Levinson started for Long Island. police. You shot a man, didn't you? Yes. You tried to kill yourself, didn't you?
5: <laughs>
3: well, they're both against the law. Want to tell me about it?
5: You deserved it. And Mr. Diamond... Yes, I just found something rather strange. Well, don't scratch it. Miss Morris shot, Mr. Lexington, or right.
8: I never denied it.
5: Well, what's bothering you? The thought just occurred to me. Who also took the trouble of stabbing him? Stabbing him? He was shot. Then how do you explain this carving now? In his back.
7: Oh, now, Diamond, you stop that.
3: But it's true, Walt.
7: Sure is, Lieutenant.
9: Been shot in the chest and got a knife in his back.
3: Oh, how
7: do I get in on these
3: things? This is uh, Miss Morris, Walt, the girl who shot him. How do you do?
9: Oh,
7: you shot him, huh? Yes, Lieutenant. Well, who stabbed him?
3: I have no idea.
7: Swell. Miss Morris, why did you shoot this, uh, uh, what's his name? Lexington, George. Why did you shoot him?
8: I refuse to answer
7: Okay, suit so yourself. Where's the coroner, Walt? Should be here any minute.
8: I didn't stab him, Mr. Diamond.
7: When you came in, did you talk with Lexington?
8: I just opened the door, saw him sitting at the desk, and shot him.
3: Did you talk to him? Oh, sure, sure, Walt. She played 20 questions with him while he was trying to paw the knife out
7: of his back. I was just trying to trap her. Why? Why? Because if she said she'd talk to him, it would have been an admission that, uh, uh, uh She'd talk to him. No, that he was still alive before she shot him.
3: Okay, who stabbed him?
7: How do I know?
3: Well, if he was still alive before she shot him, she talked to him, then she must have seen who stabbed him, right? Yeah. Well, if she saw who stabbed him, she couldn't have done it, right? Right. And no one would have stabbed Lexington if he'd already been shot, right?
7: No one would have stabbed Lexington if he'd already... Yeah, of course. Do you think I'm stupid? Uh, Lieutenant... You shut up.
3: Uh, so if they stabbed him, he hadn't been shot and he was alive. Of course. Then if he was alive and they stabbed him, the girl didn't do it to confuse you. Huh? So if she didn't do it, she can go home. Go on, Mars. Mark. Well. Oh,
7: but, Mr. Diamond.
9: You I... heard him. Go on. Uh... That's what I was trying to tell you, Lieutenant... Diamond's
7: at it again. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant? Take the girl, the butler, and Diamond down to the car. And when the coroner gets here, we'll all take a little drive down to the
4: station, understand? Yes, Lieutenant. What are you yelling
7: at? I don't know.
4: Uh, I mean, I don't know.
3: Well, the coroner finally arrived and suggested an autopsy for the corpse and a bath and some hot mud for Walt. Then we all climbed into the squad car and headed for downtown New York in the 5th Precinct Police Station. On the way, I told Walt about my phone call from Lexington about 3.45 that afternoon and the few details leading up to finding June Morris with a smoking gun and the dead Mr. Lexington. At the station, we continued to question the girl as to her motive for the killing, but she refused to say anything. The butler could add nothing, so they were taken out to await further questions. She was allowed to call her lawyer, and we all settled down to wait for the coroner's report on the autopsy.
7: Yeah, the dame's lawyer is here. Wants to see you first. Okay, girl's lawyer. Mr. Farnsworth, lieutenant. Hello,
4: lieutenant. What is this all about? Mr. Damon, Mr. Farnsworth. How do you do? How are you? I just got a call from Miss Morris. Uh, lieutenant. Uh, pardon me, a minute.
7: Well, what do you want, Hammerhead? I got the girl's personal effects. Well, Thanks give them to me. me. Okay. Gee, what did I do? Nothing, Sergeant, but your family
3: sure
4: botched things up. Oh, there you are, Lieutenant. Thank you. Gee, I don't know. Am I to understand that Miss Morris is being held here on a murder charge? That's right. Just whom is Miss Morris supposed to kill? killed?
3: you know uh, Mr. George Lexington?
4: Why, uh, yes, he's the boy.
3: Maybe you can tell us why she would want to kill him.
4: I suggest you question the witness, Mr. Darman. But let me warn you beforehand. My advice to my client will be to say nothing until I can find out more about this thing for myself. Now, about Miss Morris. She stays put. Lieutenant, I have a great deal of influence. Then get
7: her rich. She stays put. What about this George
4: Lexington's background, Mr. Farnsworth? Let me give you one more suggestion before I leave. Find these things out for yourself. I have a fair reputation in the legal profession. Good
7: evening, Mr. Farnsworth.
4: I'll have that writ, Lieutenant. Ah, oh, go to blazes.
7: Mm, nice fellow. A doll. Well, let's see if there's anything in these personal effects here. Take think I'll look through the purse. Okay. Uh, Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Bring in the butler. Right. Here's something, Walt. What is it? Uh, type a typewritten
3: note in the bottom of her purse. What's that? Meet me at the house at the quarter of six this evening. Bring $15,000 and be prompt or you will regret it for the rest of
7: your life. Signed, George. George Lexington. Mm. Well, bully for you. Diamond, I swear. I
5: to the butler, Lieutenant.
7: Come in. Sit down. Well, thanks. My feet... Not I'm you, kept... melonhead! Get
5: out of here! Oh, well, okay.
7: I just thought... Oh,
5: yeah.
7: When the coroner's report comes in, bring it right in and bring the girl along with it. How do you feel, Arthur? A little upset, sir. This has been quite a string. Last name Cameron?
3: Yes, sir. How long have you worked for George Lexington? About four years, sir.
5: Ever since Mr. Lexington came east. Did you know him before that? No, sir. You ever mention where he was from? California, I think. Had a lot of money? I presume so. I was paid regularly. He maintained a good-sized house and entertained frequently. To my knowledge, he never had any debts that weren't paid immediately. How long have you known Miss Morris? She and Mr. Lexington were engaged two years ago. It only lasted a few months. But they still saw each other occasionally. Did you know Miss Morris was expected tonight? Yes, sir. She called and said she would be there at uh, 5.45.
7: You sure about the time? Yes, sir. But you didn't expect me at 6.
3: No, sir. Mr. Lexington
5: said nothing about it.
7: Hmm.
3: Is there another way into that study?
5: Uh, yes, sir. A back door leading down to the garden.
7: Did uh, Lexington have any other visitors during the day? No, sir. Was he in from three to five? Yes, sir.
5: I got the coroner's report and Miss Morris,
3: Lieutenant.
7: Okay, that's all, Arthur. We'll have to hold you until this thing straightens itself out. You go along with Sergeant Loveland.
3: Yes, sir. Oh, so, uh, Arthur. Yes, sir. Does Mr. Lexington own a typewriter?
7: No, sir. All right. Come in, Miss Morris. Sit down. Uh, here's the report and the bullet taken out of Lexington and the knife. Thank the butler
5: downstairs. Right. Let's go, Arthur. Yeah.
3: When did you receive this note, Miss Morris?
5: Oh, where?
3: Uh, we found it in your purse. When you become a murder suspect, I'm afraid nothing's very private. This morning. It's from George Lexington?
7: Yes.
3: He have something on you. Okay, you're just hurting yourself.
7: Miss Morris, did you know a man named Jack Short? No. Who's Jack Short, Walt? Just read this report. Here's what it says about the late Mr. George Lexington. Fingerprints check one Jack Short, arrested 1936, 38, 39, petty theft, suspicion of robbery, suspicion of possessing narcotics, three arrests, one conviction. Did a year and a day in Alcatraz.
3: When did he have time to do his laundry?
7: He was arrested again in 1942 for manslaughter. Went to trial. Case dismissed for lack of evidence. Lovely boy.
8: You mean George Lexington?
7: Was really Jack Short a criminal with a record?
8: But his house servants, the the money he spent.
7: That's something we're going to find out about.
3: What does the coroner's
7: report say, Walt? The knife did kill him, not the bullet. And the knife has got your fingerprints all over it, Miss Morris. What? It's got a what? That's right. Ever see it before, Miss Morris? I I don't know. It's a carving knife. One that might belong to a (laughs) set. Something wrong?
8: That's my carving. I missed it this morning.
7: Sure.
3: When was the last time you used it?
8: Last night. I gave a small dinner
3: party. Do you own a typewriter, Miss Morris? Yes, I do.
7: Hello, June. You'd better come along with me. Mr. Farnsworth. Uh, just a minute. What's the idea of busting in here like this, Farnsworth?
4: I tried to stop him, Lieutenant. You should have
3: stuck out of one of your big feet. Those things could trip a tank.
4: I told you I would be back with the writ. Well, I'm here, and there's the writ. Come, June. She stands right here. Lieutenant, you don't seem to
7: understand. No, you don't seem to understand, Mr. Farnsworth. You got that written and was sustained because I was nice enough not to issue a formal complaint. Also, there's a little matter of influence. You're darn right, and I'm going to show you how it works. I'm making a formal complaint right now, and the charge is murder. And if you don't think I can make it stick, I won't even bother to throw you out of my office. I'll let the commissioner do it for me. Now get out of here.
5: Gee, you're wonderful, Lieutenant. You shut hey. up!
7: <laughs>
1: Before we continue with the adventures of Richard Diamond, private detective, here's your Rexall family druggist.
2: One of the questions most often asked a druggist is this. What can I take for fast relief from acid stomach?
8: I've often wanted to know that myself. What's your answer?
2: Naturally, ma'am. It's Bismarix, Rexall's justly famous antacid.
8: Why? What is it that makes it so outstanding?
2: Well, the secret lies in the scientifically developed formula. You see, the active ingredients in bismarex vary in the time it takes them to dissolve in the stomach. That way, the relief it gives is not only fast, but continuous and prolonged. Excess acidity is often neutralized in less than one minute. Then the other ingredients, dissolving more slowly, ease up that gastric distress. And finally, bismarex leaves a soothing protective covering on irritated stomach membranes.
8: Well, I'll have to remember that. Bismarex. Is that how you say
2: it? That's right, ma'am. B-I-S-M-A- hyphen R-E-X. Ask for Bismarex at Rexall drugstores everywhere, and remember, you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall.
1: And now back to tonight's adventure with Richard Diamond Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Well, Farnsworth got the idea in a hurry and took off like a rabbit with his tail
3: on fire. Walt lived up to his word. After making the formal charge and producing the evidence, the writ was dismissed. He then secured a search warrant for both Miss Morris's flat and George Lexington's house on Long Island. Our first stop was Miss Morris's apartment, and when we went in, I thought how much it looked like her small, beautifully decorated. We went over the whole place. Nothing except in the small den.
7: There's the party list you told us about.
3: Hmm. Good thirty names here.
7: Typed. There's a typewriter.
3: You got that note you had in your purse? Yeah,
7: here. Slap of the blocked out like on the note. Same machine. No. Bring the typewriter on us. Right, Lieutenant. You going over to Lexington's home? Yeah, aren't you coming along?
3: No, I got an idea. Do me a favor, will you walk? Oh, sure, why? When you get over there, besides checking that back door to the study, put in a call to the phone company and see if a call was made around three forty five this afternoon to El one two three four. It's a toll call from there, and they'd have a record. Now well, let me write that down, El Dorado, one, two, three, four. Yeah. I'll call you at Lexington's in about an hour. If that number wasn't called from
7: there, check every name on that party list. Well, there are 30 names there. You want me to check each one to see whether a call was made to El... What's the matter? Eldorado 1234. That's your office number. Walt. Yeah. Huh? Ah.
3: I left Walt turning that awful green and headed for the Times building. It was a little late when I got there, but an old friend in the morgue noticed the $5 bill I was wearing in my lapel and agreed to take care of it for me while I looked through the newspaper file. I dug up everything on Jack Short and his alias, George Lexington. The stuff on Short wasn't much, except the trial for manslaughter had made the front page. The items on George Lexington could all be found in the society columns. From what I could gather, he'd started his social world in 1944... He'd been engaged several times, and each time to a wealthy woman. I even came across a picture of June Morris on the evening they had announced their engagement. Well, having all the information I could get, and with one little item dated California, June 26, 1942, tucked away in my pocket, I put in a fast call to Walt, who was at the home of the late George Lexington.
7: Yeah? What did you find out? Well, someone could have gotten in the back door. There were some blurred footprints outside in the garden, but they won't help you had a key, you could let yourself in and walk right up the study.
3: What about the phone call?
7: There was no call made from here to your office, but uh, one of the names on the list paid off. uh, Mrs. Julia Wright out of Long Island. Now, uh, would you mind telling me what this is all about?
3: You stay right there, Walt. I'm going out to see Mrs. Julia Wright.
7: If she called your office today at 345, you certainly must have talked to her.
3: George Lexington called my office today at 345.
7: But he couldn't have. Butler said Lexington wasn't out of the house and the call wasn't made from here.
3: Well, someone called.
7: Maybe it was the right day. Maybe she got a low voice and told you she was Lexington.
3: Walt. Huh? Oh, forget it. You wouldn't like it anyway. Mr. Diamond? Uh, How do you do, Mrs. Wright?
9: My butler says your business is a matter of life or death.
3: Well, that's a little exaggerated, but it's one sure way of getting by the red tape.
9: Then what is your business, Mr. Diamond?
3: I, uh, I'm from the police. Oh. Do you know of Mr. George Lexington?
9: Why, yes, slightly.
3: Are you married, Mrs. Wright?
9: Very happily. What is your interest in Mr. Lexington, Mr. Diamond?
3: Do you know June Morris? Oh,
9: quite well. I've known her family for at least 20, uh, 10 years.
3: She's being held for the murder of George Lexington. Oh, my poor girl. She was engaged at Lexington at one time, wasn't she?
9: Yes. He was a beast. Believe me, Mr. Diamond, he deserved killing.
3: I thought you said you only knew him slightly.
9: Why, oh, I, I. June used to tell me how terribly he treated her.
3: A phone call was made from your house yesterday at approximately 345, to Eldorado 1234.
9: Don't believe I know anyone at that number, are you sure
3: A man made it. I talked to him.
9: My husband wasn't home yesterday. Oh, perhaps it was my lawyer. He was here about that time. In fact, I believe he did make a call said it was on business. A call from the library.
3: What's your lawyer's name, Mrs.
9: Ryan? My Mr. Lucius Farnsworth mm-hmm.
7: I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I certainly don't like the guy, but his reputation's been spotless.
3: It's just got to be, Walt. Here's
7: the girl, Lieutenant. Uh, come in, Miss Morris. Thank you, Lieutenant. Hello, Miss Morris.
3: June, the note you received was written on the typewriter in your den. What? Lab just sent up a report.
8: You think I sent that note to myself?
3: No, no, no. But can you remember anyone using the typewriter in the last two days?
8: No, no one has used it but myself.
3: What about the night of the party?
8: Who uses a typewriter at a party?
3: Anyone go in the den and maybe lock the door?
8: What? Why, yes. As a matter of fact, Mr. Farnsworth said he had to make some business calls. He went in and closed. Post... You don't think it.
3: That... that Farnsworth did it? Why,
8: it's absurd. He's been with my family for years.
3: Did he introduce you to George Lexington?
8: Yes, it was at a party at you, you're right.
3: Did Mr. Farnsworth know that you owned a gun? No one knew it. Were you actually using that knife the night of the party?
8: Yes, I, I sliced some turkey. Hmm.
3: You remember what kind of a suit Mr. Farnsworth was wearing that night?
8: He was wearing a dinner jacket.
3: Lexington was blackmailing you, wasn't he?
8: I can't answer that.
3: Oh, honey, believe me. If you don't trust us and it comes out in a way, we'll have no way of stopping it.
8: Oh, right, it was blackmail. I was going to marry George. There were some letters, some. a picture. He broke off the engagement and began demanding money. Last week, he mentioned something about leaving town, and I received the note. I couldn't afford that kind of money, and I was just tired of paying month after month. I decided to kill him, and I was going to kill myself. I guess I lost my nerve.
7: Let's go see Mr. Luke Farnsworth-Rick. June, you sit right here until we get back. Be careful. Uh,
3: you can make book on it. I'm going to drive you home. Use your paw. All
7: right, all right. Here he comes.
4: Yes, what is... Oh. What do you want, Lieutenant? Got any hot coffee? If this is your idea of some kind of a joke... Mind if we come in? I most certainly do. Thanks. How dare you break in here like this? I can cause you a great deal of trouble, Lieutenant. How well did you
7: say you knew George Lexington? Only slightly. Hey, get a
3: load of these fancy ashtrays, Walt.
7: Yeah, but I don't go much for modern. Pretty drinks, though.
3: Oh, policemen are being casual. You only knew Lexington slightly, huh?
4: Yes, and this is the third time I've said it. You must make a lot of money. I have wealthy clients.
3: How much did Jack Short pay you to get him out of that manslaughter charge? What? You remember him. Sensational case. Made you quite a reputation.
4: Of course, I remember
7: it. This shirt was sure a handsome fellow. Uh, did he uh, change his name
4: later? I, I, I don't know. That, that was a long time ago. Didn't he uh, change it to Lexington? George Lexington? What is this all about? Mind if we look around the place? I most certainly do. That's your bedroom? You have no right to go in there. Where's your Hmm. Nice bedroom. Get out. Get out. I'll call the commissioner. <laughs> Why don't you do that?
7: As these your keys... Put put those down. Take it easy. I wonder if one of
4: these fits a back door to George Lexington's study. Don't be be ridiculous. ridiculous. I've only been to Mr. Lexington's house twice in my life. Arthur the butler will verify to that.
3: You mean you've only been there twice by the front way.
4: I mean exactly that. What are you doing in that closet? Nice
7: wardrobe. This your dinner jacket? Lieutenant, I warn you. No, I'm going to warn you, Farnsworth, officially... Anything that you may say will be held against
4: you. I'm charging you with the murder of George Lexington. (laughs) Well, this is really one for the books. Would you mind telling
3: me what proof you have? You called my office at 3.45 this afternoon from the home of Mrs. Julia Wright, disguised your voice and told me you were George Lexington.
4: Really?
7: Hearsay. You were at a party given by June Morris. You stole a carving knife that she'd been using, probably wrapped it up in a handkerchief to keep her fingerprints on the handle.
3: Did someone see me? For some reason, you wanted George Lexington out of the way. He'd been blackmailing victims that you introduced him to. You made sure that Miss Morris would be at his home at exactly 5.45. You wrote a note on her typewriter telling her to be there. You called me to be sure that someone would catch her.
7: Interesting theory. You went up the back way into the study, probably with one of these keys. You stabbed Lexington and got out just before the girl came up.
3: You made one mistake. You didn't figure that the girl might try to kill Lexington.
7: What? Yeah,
3: she shot him. But she shot a dead man. She shot him? After he was dead. You don't know it, Buster, but you just missed the perfect crime. Now prove it. The girl said you were wearing a dinner jacket the night of her party. This the coat? Yes? And to get the knife out, you had to put it in a pocket or someplace on you. She'd been carving turkey. Ever hear of a
7: spectrograph? Of course. Sure. Have the pockets analyzed, and if we find traces of turkey, we'll know you swiped the knife.
3: And if the key to Lexington's back door is on this ring, it'll cinch it.
4: I'm afraid not to... That... Come back here, Barnes. He's going for the window. Barnes, stop if Let me go. Let me go. Not let on you your go. life. Not on your life. Let
7: you me... don't take it the easy it... way. Get out of his no, head. No
4: no, got no, 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 no. Why didn't you let me jump? What difference
7: would have been made?
3: Well, it sure would have saved the state some money. But a quick trip to the sidewalk doesn't make up for a killing. That's the easy way, Farnsworth. You forget when you commit murder, there's a little thing called society. And if you can't live with people, they'll decide what to do with you. Oh, that last mile is
2: a Lulu.
1: Again, here's your Rexall family druggist. If you're a user of mineral
2: oil, remember that Rexall mineral oil is carefully refined by a special process to achieve an extra heavy body. What's more, because it's so exceptionally pure and gentle in its action, Rexall mineral oil is non-irritating, non-habit-forming. You'll also like the fact that it's tasteless, odorless, colorless. Next time, try Rexall mineral oil, and remember... You can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall.
1: Good health to all from Rexall. <music> Richard Diamond Private Detective stars Dick Powell in the title role and is written by Blake Edwards with music composed and conducted by Frank Worth. Featured in tonight's cast were Ted DeCorsia, Wilms Herbert, Ted Osborne, Betty Moran, Howard McNear, and Virginia Grey. Richard Diamond Private Detective is transcribed in Hollywood by Jaime Del Valle. Bill Foreman inviting you to be with us next Wednesday at this time, when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hiya, beautiful.
6: Get lost, puss. You need a shave.
4: But I have shaved. What else do you want me to do? Silly boy, she wants you to go stag. Go stag? But why? Because stag is Rexall's exclusive line of men's good grooming aids. Like stag brushless shave cream. No fuss, no massage, just smooth it on and presto. You get a clean, close shave. Your face stays smooth and whiskerless all day long. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll go stag. That's it. Join the stag line now at Rexall drugstores everywhere.
2: Yeah. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
6: This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the
8: Web Surface series, oh, and a man's Wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old
0: Time Radio. Welcome back. A story that reminds you that Diamond answers the phone pretty much the same way, not just when his girlfriend Helen is calling. Of course... That makes sense, given that they didn't have caller ID back in 1950. However, it also might explain why he spends so much time just sitting around the office. Because some people call a private investigator and they get a mess, uh, greeting like that. And they're like, okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next, uh, person on the book. All right, well, listener comments and feedback. I saw that Kevin had a very nice Facebook post with a, uh, picture of a uh, Rexall drugstore about from about 1957 and the note good health to all from Rexall Very cool. It's a nice picture, and I I did see some Rexall stores out in Montana back in the 1990s, and it does show how the classic design does differ a bit from the modern take-on Rexall stores. So, another reason to become one of our more than 6,000 friends over there on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And then uh, we have an email... And uh, James uh, writes in, uh, a few weeks ago there was a program where Fake Blood, I don't remember uh, which show, possibly uh, Not Me, Uh, no, it was actually Richard Diamond. Not Me would never, I don't think they would go for Fake Blood like that. And in your commentary, you wondered if there was a better condiment that could better simulate blood. Well, I happen to have an answer. When my wife was in high school, she directed a one-act play for her senior project. It contained a gunshot scene. For fake blood, she used pancake syrup mixed with food coloring. The syrup was in a pouch that her actors popped into their clothes during the scene. The way it glistened in the stage lighting and the way it oozed did an excellent job of simulating blood. It was quite convincing and shocking, especially for a high school play, much more so than ketchup. The only problem she had with it was that her actors kept eating it and she kept having to make more. (laughs) Uh, Though the problems you run into on high school productions... Uh, Anyway, uh, keep up the great work on the show. It keeps my uh, morning commute entertaining. Uh, Thanks so much uh, for your comment, James, and for that nice tip. And hopefully anyone interested in doing stage productions was paying attention. All right, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie, and next Wednesday, another episode of Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Detectives. From the Lake Hope Cabins here in MacArthur, Ohio, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.